2: Intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve oh. Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. He steps up, throws to the end zone.
0: Olson touchdown. Ryan Burns to the house. This one is picked again.
2: Intercepted by Boston. Bridgewater throw into the end zone. Touchdown. Samuel still on his feet inside the bar. Keep on three. One, two, three. Keep All right, Panthers fans, it's another edition of the War Podcast. John Ellis, uh, we'll hear from Billy Marshall here momentarily. Carolina big win 21 16 on the road against the LA Chargers. We've got some stuff to break down from that game, but we start the conversation tonight. With a little fan talk, we've noticed some drama out there on Twitter, believe it or not, that happens. And uh, Billy Marshall wanted to get some thoughts out on the fan culture, some things that are going on back and forth in terms of the Trevor Lawrence tanking for Trevor debate. We'll start there, do some analysis on the game, and give you a full breakdown of what happened Then Carolina's big win this weekend. Right here on Blue Wire.
1: So whenever I try to judge a win, I try to judge it by the sustainability of it. And I know you try to do it too. So when people try to bring up, you know, if this is a good win or a bad win, I I think all wins are not created equal. I think you would agree with that too. And so when I'm looking deeper into this game, I try to look at the sustainability, if this type of performance could be replicated in the future. And when I made these sort of, um, you know, comparisons last year to how they were winning games with Kyle Allen and everyone was happy and giddy about those ones. And I was too. (laughs) I think you, I also pointed out that this type of style is simply not sustainable and Mm -hmm. lo and behold, they lost eight games in a row. And that was that. So I'm not trying to, I'm, I'm not trying to rain on anyone's parade here. I'm just trying to figure out how this team can, Create a sustainable winning formula because yesterday, it that wasn't sustainable. Like I'm sorry, it just that's just my opinion. Because well, no,
2: yeah, <laughs> it's totally fair, Bill. I mean, you know, fans want to feel a, a win. It's been a long time since they've done one a full calendar year almost since they've won a football game. And there's been so much this off season. That's the emotional side of it. You know, I get that from a fan's perspective. That hell, it's nice to be able to take a breath and say, you know what, my team won a damn game. But you have to look between the margins and see, okay, what's going on that led them to one last <laughs> blown coverage there almost at the end of the game and let them go 99 yards in a minute and a half with no timeouts? What, what's going on here where that is happening? What's going on here where you get four turnovers in your corner? The turnover ratio, you win the game, you're managing it pretty well. But again, you're leaving this team in the game. Is that sustainable? You're exactly right. You know, going to your point of Kyle Allen, you know, I, I don't know how to stack him up against Teddy Bridgewater. I don't really look at the two similarly, but I know in terms of their inability to hit these core guys deep consistently or even look for them deep is problematic. And, and you know, Curtis Samuel remains – heavily active in the in the run game it appears and that's fine but in the passing game we're looking at just a few targets a game again and and i don't want to beat at that horse with it but this is a guy that continues to struggle in terms of getting involved or struggle in terms of his guys getting him involved um i don't know man i just bridgewater it is what it is with him there are limitations there's a ceiling and this is it you're going to get 22 out of 28 about, you know, 220 yards and no touchdowns and no turnovers and safety first. And his touchdown is going to be a screen pass. This is what he did in New Orleans, Bill. They just had a better defense, better special teams. He had more support there. That's he definitely had,
1: he definitely had more Uh, defensive support. I'm not denying that, but I also think that you did see some games from him in new Orleans where he did rip the ball. And, and we're not seeing that at all. Like it's, it's simply unacceptable in my opinion. And I'm not not trying to be harsh Four attempts over 10 yards. You got to
2: do better than that, especially with these skilled players really bad. And you're not looking at terrible Matt. You're looking at some pretty favorable matchups against We talked about this last week with our guest. You've got some decent matchups there in terms of coverages and who's out there personnel-wise from L.A.'s perspective and why not attack it a little more. But I think when you the the situation of the game, I I would think, maybe got a hold of their philosophy a little bit and said, you know what, we're up a little bit. We're gaining a little bit of a lead. This seems to be working. We're going to slow it down, and we're we're not going to take too many shots. Then again, though, it's not like they were to begin with. So it's your point looking back last year, you know, there's a game Bridgewater was against Tampa down in new Orleans was ripping it uh, There's a game in Chicago where was ripping it again, but you're talking about seven man protections are doing a good job of shielding him. And he, and he's protection and to your point, has been pretty solid here. So not to go over 50 times guys, but uh, this is about what you're going to get with Teddy. He's a different quarterback than Newton. He's a different quarterback than a lot of guys. And so comparing the two, which I'm seeing on Twitter is just foolish. You just got to accept what he is and a win is great, but you know they're not all quit, credit equal in terms of evaluating the program and where they're at right now.
1: Yeah, definitely. So I think the next part of that is it, there's been a lot of angst on Twitter. All right. I mean, what can we expect? <laughs> and you and I had this conversation actually over to, dm on friday and i don't want to spill you know those details but i think the conversation has um you know was brought into light this morning because there just seems to be too much division and Mm -hmm. i feel like we need to address it
2: you're talking about between the fan base right yes yeah go for it let's hear your thoughts on this
1: And, and i want to get your thoughts too because i feel like at the end of the day everyone that i've interacted with they want the best for the team. No one is sitting here like taking personal satisfaction in the team potentially going oh and sixteen or one and fifteen or whatever. They all want the same thing, which is long-term success for the team, and that, that certainly applies to the people who also, you know, are you know having a party in South Street today or you know every anywhere. <laughs> so That'd be me, Billy. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So I think that. The question, and th- this ties into Bridgewater, is that fans want more from their quarterback position because they saw it from they went from DeLome straight to, or I mean, with a year, any year with a year in between to Back Cam
2: North, Newton Or to Cam Newton, yeah.
1: So they they saw the level of um, that's how high the ceilings can get for a really transcendent type franchise quarterback. Yes, and so this is not again a we're not trashing Teddy Bridgewater. We're just explaining. I think both of us and even maybe even the entire fan base would agree that we know what he is and what type of limitations and strengths he brings. So fans, they want, you know, the next shiny thing. And obviously in order to do that, some of them are not going to be really happy with wins like this. And I just want to say like those people are, totally within their right to feel how they feel mm-hmm. like they shouldn't, there shouldn't be any type of gatekeeping allowed because <laughs> fans are, you know, they want the best mm-hmm. for their franchise. And I'll, I'll also say this just to keep it, you know, fair on both sides, those fans should not ridicule other fans who, who are enjoying the victory. Um, so I think Absolutely. it goes both ways. And, but at the end of the day, and I think this point is pertinent because I brought it up to you personally. Mm-hmm. Don't, I, I think th- I think everyone wants the same thing and I've said that already in the beginning of this monologue and I want to end it here. Just take it for what it is. This season is there's so many different unknown expectations, Mm -hmm. but let's try to cool down and don't get too upset with individuals who um, might feel that losing is in the best interest in the short term because they want a potential transcendent franchise quarterback.
2: Yeah, man, people are people are nuts. I I I don't know. I've seen some. I, I've been able to kind of shield a lot of that out. Honestly, you know, I've had folks hit me up on on Twitter, and obviously, a little bit about what we've done with our account is really back in the spring. Highlight almost not as a promotional package, but it's say, so, hey, here's the case for keeping Cam Newton around, and here's why we feel beyond just oh, we love the guy football reasons that he's still viable for a few more years. And I get a lot of pushback on that and that's fine. I understand it it's time to move on. Um, I look at it from a total NFL perspective. I'm fascinated by his journey right now. And that's a different story. But Teddy, I always have said, you know, give him a fair shot. He's one great story in terms of his comeback from an injury and he's trying to work his way back, but even then coming into the league, he had did some nice things in Louisville, but just the ceiling was there. So it's all about expectations. You come into a season where COVID has stripped everybody of, you know, more than just football. I mean, it's been, lives have been lost. Businesses have gone out of, it's just everything has been a mess because of this coronavirus disaster. And what we're looking at now is some football. And so you get a win, enjoy it. Don't overthink it. Don't overanalyze it. Embrace the fact that they were able to pull out a win against you know a pretty competitive team on the road. That's a good thing. That's a, that means the program is showing some growth. What what I have a problem with coming in is that, that there is some tactical you know strategic you know blueprint that Tepper and Herney are using here to get Trevor Lawrence. People try to convince me that, and it could be further from the truth. They are not doing that. That's not what they were trying to do. Now, if there was a strategy behind that. It would be Will Greer starting week one and not signing Bridgewater to $33 million guaranteed. Um, I, I'm not anti-Teddy, and I understand why they may have thought Cam was, you know, at the end of his rope physically. A lot of teams apparently did um, for other reasons as well. They just didn't see Cam as a good cultural fit in the locker room, whatever. It's all bullshit. But, uh, yeah, they could have kept Newton, but they weren't, and it happened. So Bridgewater, I think, was the guy Joe Brady wanted. Fans are very toxic at times. I look. I used to be one of these rabid fans. I mean, for years I hung my hat up. I said to my kids, "Said hey guys, it's all on you now because I've got to do this website. I've got to try to stay objective." Yeah, I'd love to see the team win. I'm not worried if I cheer for them and you know my integrity gets them. you know whatever. It's fine. I love the Panthers. I want them to do well, but I I'm able like you to look back and say what's best for them long range, and you know getting a few wins under their belt, I'm all for it. I think it's great. I take it week by week here. I'm not looking at it like, oh, well, how's the season going to impact, you know, this and that one week at a time. Let's see some growth from the guys right now that are going to be a part of the future, like Brian Burns, Jeremy Mm Chin. That's what I want to see. I want to see these coaches manage the game more efficiently like they did. I think this, I mean, the the play calling from Brady is one thing, but in terms of just bonehead mistakes, I didn't see anything egregiously boneheaded. Now, you know, Phil Snow running man on the last play against a hook and ladder, I might (laughs) have that might have been a miscalculation. But uh, uh, in general, I think there were some progressive steps there. That's what I look for. But fans have got to stop, man. You know, it's going to happen no matter where you go. It happens on every Twitter around the NFL. But there's just a toxic culture out there with some of these fans where it's, some of it's trolls. But some of these legit fans I know well, and they're just like, oh, we got to just tank for Trevor, tank for Trevor, and anything and those, else. And, and, get... and
1: just, just to let you know, and I'm not trying to defend the tank for Trevor crowd, but no, I no, will no, say I those individuals who I have seen it, those are individuals that I've been communicating with on Panthers Twitter since 2013. So I don't think you should question their fandom
2: um, I wouldn't. on the basis I, of I that. I wouldn't dare. I would not dare do that. And I would also say this, that it's also perfectly acceptable if you just check out for a little while, because for whatever reason, this product isn't doing it for you. And if you come back at a later date, fine. Nobody should tell you, oh, you're not back at the door. Come on. You're a bandwagon. It's, just, it's that shaming that goes on universally. So, yeah, sticking by your team, it always feels better when you do that and the turnaround happens. But, it, again, when you're pragmatic and you don't see a process that you trust necessarily because you've seen nothing this offseason – the way they've structured things that would indicate there was any sort of really solid plan here. And that's what a game looks like when they build a roster like that. 21-16, four turnovers in their favor and a lot of missed opportunities and not a lot of dynamic plays downfield. So I get where some of the cam crowd or some of the, the crowd that maybe wants to win now and says to hell with the, the word tanking. We don't like, I know, but they get salty too. And then these people collide billy it's just sports fans that's how it's going to be and the thing you got to do is rational people just don't get uncivilized with the attacks it's just bottom of the barrel crap and i i would encourage again you said don't tell people how to fan that's just how to human that's how to be a human just quit attacking people over their preferences it's just silly
1: yeah i agree yeah i I think that it's it's better if you just embrace other people's Mm -hmm. ideas like look i I don't fall on either side. Obviously I feel like Teddy's limitations uh, are pretty evident and could potentially hold the team back, but I don't yeah, really care I, one way or the other. Right. Um, yeah. But I do, I just wanted to point that out because there's a lot of good people who feel like taking, you know, not tanking, but losing to get Lawrence fields or a quarterback. Those are good fans and they, they've been around for a long time. And I don't want them. See,
2: they want to see another dynamic, you know, pro bowl perennial quarterback, behind center here. And Teddy's not it. He's never going to be it. And I totally understand that. I'm working with the Clemson folks this year. I've seen Trevor up close. I've watched some of the and you've watched him too. I mean, but I've gotten to know the people that know him well, the coaches. He is an outstanding guy and he has got what it takes to be that next level guy. I truly believe it's not a situation where you're looking at you know, a Mitchell Trubisky wildcard type. He is it. He's got it. He's, He's bleeps in Bounds beyond what Bridgewater can do in terms of downfield passing. Um, so, I, yeah, I, to me, I'm a kind of guy that, like, you know, hey, if we're going to do this thing, commit to it. You're going to sign Robbie Anderson, Teddy Bridgewater. Are uh, you going to give McCaffrey that money? Obviously, you're, you're trying to win some games now. You're trying to do something now. Um, again, these contracts, some of them are favorable. They'll be, to is out next year. I would assume it's a one-year deal. Things like that, though. You sign veterans, you give the fans the impression that, hey, we're not necessarily, quote, tanking. I can't blame fans for wanting to be 0 and 16 in this type of year where the entire core of your team, everything you've known over the last decade, you've loved in your heart. Cam and Greg and Khalil, it's all of them are gone. So, why, you know, just go ahead and just take take a giant dump this year, get it right next year, and let's roll. So, I think, you know, fans that have been loyal for a long time that have that approach, I'm not going to sit here and crap on them. Again, cheering for the team to lose, you know, like, whatever, if that's the approach you're going, when you're going in with, if you're, if you're doing celebration laps after a loss, because we're still number one, we're still in the top five. You know, I even get the enthusiasm for it, but there are some core guys in that locker room that, you know, you want to support too. guys like Brian Burris, like I said, a Trey Boston, who uh, would you think be around for a while here? Uh, These are guys that you want to be supporting his fans, and, and they do want to win games. I don't think any one of them want to be tanking. But from the long view, hard to argue with a fan who wants Trevor Lawrence or even a guy like Fields. I, I totally get it.
1: Yeah, and no, no, that's just something that I want to get off my chest because I feel like yeah. it was uh, relevant towards some of the discussions that we've seen online today. Sure.
2: Yeah, no problem. Uh, we, we don't talk about it enough. I mean, we're so analytical with what we get into here in terms of football. I think people like that. But you brought that up to me this week. I did some self-examination trying to see, you know, am I doing anything from my perspective to alienate anybody? Because that's certainly not what I'm going for. But, hey, I'm I'm brutally honest. Uh, if I get jumped on over something, that's just ridiculous. If I get told that, hey, you know, you have no right to call out Dave Tepper because he's made billions. And this, I'm going to point out some specifics about why I need to see more to just automatically default to this is going to be great. You know, hey, a long term rebuild. This taking seven years, him talking about sustained excellence. Okay, that's great. It's going to take some time to see that play out. Um, getting a franchise quarterback would be great. Some would say they had one. They let him go too early. But when you get past 30, I'll, I, I'll even admit it. I mean, how many good years does he have left running what he's doing here in New England? It's a lot to ask. So um, it's, it's just emotional for a lot of these fans, Billy. It's it, The way they've handled some of these departures has not been pristine um, and that's not just fan. I mean, the media has pointed this out too the way they handle Cam and Greg, and some of the players have spoken out about it. So, the fans pick up on that, and the fans are are really sensitive to these players, been a big part of their life, like I said. So, when they get released on bad terms, uh, it's not good. The, the business side of it is what it is, and hopefully, um, uh, they don't get saddled into a, a situation where. You hate to say, it, you know, I, I'd like them to win a lot of games this year, but they're not. If, if they win six or, or or seven, I mean, you're you're not in any position to get Trevor Lawrence at that point. You That's, that's
1: and they, a concern. People people feel like, yeah, you know, you're you're they're most likely going to be in that six or seven win range, and you're keeping the same general manager who has a history of very questionable uh, draft picks. Right. It's like, what's what's the plan, essentially?
2: Yeah, I you think know, John Fox, you're going way back here. I'm just trying to draw a parallel with Panthers uh, history. You know, John Fox came in, and it was an emphasis again. That was a really mediocre football team all around. You know, No offense to our friend Deshaun Foster, but to his point, he was hurt all year. So, I mean, they had Lamar Smith. Um, Stephen Davis had not yet arrived. Rodney Peet was the quarterback. Uh, and they really overachieved the seven wins. Uh, early in the season, they were 3 and 0. They had an eight game losing streak. They knocked off the Saints at the end of the year to knock them out of the playoffs and i think that did some good things in terms of lifting their program moving forward but they weren't in a position where they were thinking philosophically about building through the draft with a quarterback they were always going to try to find a game manager quarterback or somebody like a jake who could you know rise up out of you know pretty much obscurity to become a pretty decent starter for a while and and they did well with that but uh this is a different situation you know you want to set the tempo with wins but you want to win the right way. You want to make sure you're winning with the right people moving forward. Um, I, I just don't they, they look if they put what if they pull off the miracle this year and they pull off 10 wins. They're, they're not going to just let's just say it happens. And let's say Teddy puts up 20 touchdowns and six picks. And let's say he's 70 percent. But we all know where that's coming from. It's all underneath, but the media is just going to eat it up. And they are going to be like, Oh, Teddy Bridgewater playing at a real, look at his numbers compared to Newton last year. Look at his numbers compared to him. You don't want to get stuck in that situation where you're, you're dealing with basically a, a less talented. I think Alex Smith, you want somebody who can really be dynamic. And uh, I, I don't think he's the guy I, I know he's not. So that's where they're at.
1: Yeah. Um, I think we're in agreement there.
2: So back to the game a little bit, uh, uh, you, we touched on the offense a, a good deal here. I don't want to overplay, you know, the, the Curtis Samuel stuff. They've they've tried to use him at, at running back. I, I'm not as, you know, down on that as a lot of people seem to be. You know, you can say it's taking away quality reps. You, trying some things in a year like this where he's had experience there is okay, I think. Um, it's only four touches. But, um, again, just not really getting the vertical game going here. The tight end position still not. Just just not there's just not the talent there in terms of receiving route running, getting open, and there's not the commitment to feed them the targets. I thought Mike Davis looked pretty well though. I mean, this is a guy who's going to be is serving up some some pretty good carries and touches here for the next few weeks, and I think it, it might be a decent idea to, to keep him around. Did, did you see anything from Mike you liked?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, after contact, he looked pretty good. Uh, he had some pretty good, uh, especially getting to the second level. Uh, I did some pretty good things. Um, you know, as far as, you know, keeping his feet active, not really stopping on contact. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was a pretty encouraging performance and that kind of ties into a larger conversation of, you know, I I don't want to have this conversation here today, but it's like,
2: Mm -hmm. I mean, it's relevant.
1: (laughs) It's a relevant topping point that you know, look at the rushing production they got in the absence of McCaffrey. So, yep,
2: I posted a stat earlier. It wasn't really a stat, it was I just looked up. I got curious who's the top 10 value contracts for running backs in the league. You got you, obviously Ezekiel Elliott and McCaffrey, it's a short sample size, but the, the collective record of the top 10 was dreadfully <laughs> like three and 21. And these oh. are again teams that are investing high. You see, Minnesota's done that and Diggs is no longer there i just i don't know man i love mccaffrey and i've tried to get behind this idea that oh he's more than just you know running back well they're not using him like that so yeah they really aren't they're not less less creativity than i than i imagined i'd be feeding him the ball out there you know seven eight times a game but um you're it's it's always a relevant topic i mean you know they only have so much cap room to play with and they've tied up a lot in a guy they they believe can can help carry this franchise i don't know if that position can carry anything in the nfl these days i think it's got to be you know you got to have that complementary relationship between a a a really good quarterback and good schematics and a a running back who can make plays but you, you don't have to dump all your eggs into that basket you just don't um Mm-hmm. nothing against Christian. I mean, he's, again, great player. Glad he's here, but you uh, he can only pay so much. Right, and Mike Davis, uh, you know, again, uh, Gamecock product down here in South Carolina. I like him. I like maybe even keeping him around with a, you know, 80-20 split between those two. I doubt Brady will do that because he's been using McCaffrey at 95%, uh, but I just think it's better when you split it a little bit. It's universally been better for a guy like Sean Payton, who you know, taught Brady a lot of things to have two backs who can do two different things and and we can also do everything. So uh offensively, you know, the line they did some things. Greg Little started uh and he was replaced there uh at a certain juncture of the game out at left tackle um and he did not look in fact nobody left tackle looked tremendously great. But again Melvin Ingram was out so you had you know Bosa there with a little less in terms of having to worry about two sides instead of one, they were able to double a little bit there and do some max protect things. And Bridgewater stayed pretty clean. The running game was decent enough. Um, but again, if the offensive line falls apart any further than they have, uh, you're going to really start to see some some problems with pass protection, I think. If they get, you know, if they get the ball out quick like they have been, he's not going to get touched, but you're not going to be vertical. Uh, it's just that simple. Uh, defensively, I mean, this is where – I'm I'm pretty intrigued. I'm getting a little excited about some of these guys, but I want to temper my enthusiasm. I'm leaning on your expertise, Billy, for that. I want to start with uh, Jeremy Chen. Uh, Chen in his safety role, playing a lot of three safety inside, playing some in the box. Um, I I think he was doing some pretty good things in coverage. BFF did not grade him out at all too well in terms of his run defense. Um, I haven't seen enough to test to that, but he – he was pretty involved. Just your thoughts on Jeremy's development so far.
1: Yeah, so I haven't really rewatched the game yet. Uh, but just watching it live, he certainly looked to be one of the more active defenders. Uh he, he had a laid a good hit on Herbert that nearly just sent him out of the game. Yeah. Uh and then he also did, you know, some I thought he did a couple yeah, you know, a couple nice reps against Hunter Henry. And in addition to that I think the reason for the poor grade, and I'm not trying to justify it because I don't agree with it. Um, you know, just looking at some of his you know deeper stats, it looks like he did not fare out too well in coverage against Austin Eckler. Right. Um, yeah.
2: So yeah, that, Eckler caught the ball ten, ten plus times too.
1: Yeah. So I'm guessing that can be a reason for mm-hmm. uh, the poor grade. And, and I think sure. this is another point. PFF is not the only um, arbiter of you know how a right. uh, no, player performs, but not. at the same time, they are pretty neutral. They don't hate the Panthers. They don't hate your favorite players. <laughs> they do some pretty good stuff, you know, with their, yeah. some of their stats. It's, it's so, a decent,
2: if you know how to use it, it's a good tool. Just, just don't overindulge in some of the parts. Yeah. That don't really so,
1: matter. so the two highest graded players that I think we should mention, um, Shaq Thompson and Derek Brown. That was according oh, yeah. to PFF. And I agree uh, with those. Yes. So Thompson had a particularly good game. And I saw, again, this is where like people really need to just, you know, relax with some of the live tweets. Wait, wait, wait. I, I saw yeah, too you, many people.
2: Go ahead. You go ahead. And I'll ask, uh, yeah.
1: Me. Sorry. I, I just, I really have to get this off my chest again. No, but no too problem. many people were blaming Shaq Thompson for the Keenan Allen touchdown, which is again, totally in, wrong. You would think this fan base after watching Luke Keekley for, you know so many years would blaming, understand they? they were blaming that,
2: 54 uh, for that. No, that was that. Nothing to do with you
1: guys. would understand, you would understand that when a linebacker drops in the coverage like that, he's in perfect position. We saw it so many times with Keekly, right. but then Atlanta fans would say, Oh, look at Julio Moss and Ke- Keekly or stuff like that. It's, it's just like five inches on him, he's gonna, yeah, I mean, so. It's. It was. Thompson was in the right position. He came back there. The safety should have been a little quicker to help him over the top, and he wasn't. Yeah. So I thought Shaq had a really good game. He had the fumble recovery. Uh, he did some pretty good stuff in coverage, especially against Henry, and uh, he tackled well. So overall, a good game from him um, because they really need him to be better than what he has this season.
2: Yeah, you looked a lot better today or yesterday. I think you're right.
1: Um, and then Derek Brown he certainly didn't have a good start to the season uh, did not play well I don't, I don't think we need to analyze it any further than that nope. um, yeah. uh, you know and I'm I'm trying to be like fair to the rookies because they haven't really had an off season that you would expect no preseason of, none of that Brilliant. so I never wanted to overly criticize him but at the same time I think it's only right for me to point out that he wasn't good in the first two weeks of the season mm-hmm. and this week against a, um, an offensive line that probably isn't the best in the NFL. He did much better. And uh, that showed. <laughs> yeah. So four, four run stops, which essentially. Really, is, really effective. Yeah. Yeah. A run stop is essentially um, a, a stop that does not give the offensive team uh, successful yards. So credit to him for that i mean he played really well in the run game i mean and as a pass rusher he still has a lot of work to do uh and th- this is sort of the player that i was expecting really good against the run and you know the pass put rushing potential is probably gonna limit you know some of his ceiling so that's essentially how i feel about him but overall he did play well in the run game and that's what he's expected to do. And he did it. So I can't really complain too much.
2: They did a good job of utilization. I think they rotated the line better, Billy. Uh, you saw more Bravian Roy, who I thought looked decent at times. 92 but, is really good. Yeah. Yeah. Zach Kerr has been solid and, Brown played about half the snaps, which I think is smart, you know, give him in there and get him, get him active, but he's, he's a rookie. He's your number one pick, but you don't want to, you know, overutilize the guy. And this is a game too, where again, the pass was, was critical for LA to get back. And the passes almost 50 times. And Brown to your point is not exactly Aaron Donald. He's more of a Chris Jenkins in terms of structure, in terms of how he plays the game. So he's not there to shoot the gap and to give you penetration necessarily. He's there to do what he did in some of the film we showed you earlier where he's just powerful as hell, and he can turn a guard and, and get a backfield stop he can be the first one home and get you for a three-yard loss, and that's a very valuable thing. But in this modern game, it's not as valuable as maybe it used to be, but he did well. He played well, and uh, I thought Phil did a better job of, of utilization in terms of getting guys in better spots. Again, the, the competition was not as good. You're right. Oakland's got – a mauler of a unit, as we've seen, and the, you know Tampa is is very good up front as well. Uh, so it's lighter competition. We've talked about uh, Beluga has struggled. Trey Turner was out; that was a big loss for them. So they took advantage of it. And uh, as you shift over to you know the the edge there, again, who stole the show visually, I think, was Brian Burns. Again, some of his grades uh, from a PFF perspective weren't that great in terms of coverage. I broke down his three quote targets. Uh, I didn't think it was that bad, but that's where he really took a hit in terms of his total grade. Um, he got dinged on some of the tackling issues, but I think what he's there to do is to impact the passer and to get to the spot. He did a much better job this week. in again in the competition that might've had a factor, but his motor was running and uh, he made the big splash play. We talked about pregame. I said, you know, they've got to get one big takeaway from Burns and he was able to get in there and he only said two of them, but he got the one strip sack that, uh, that got them going. So just uh you know, you saw Burns play obviously, but what were your thoughts on his game?
1: Yeah, certainly another positive game from him. And the pass rushing grade was good, and that's all I really care about. Uh APFF credited him with five hurries and then the one sack. So, so six total pressures that he was able to accumulate. Mm-hmm. Um and on top of that, he had two run stops in the run game. Yeah. So yeah, you know, very good game from him, and I think this is what we're expecting from him. And I don't think it's out of the question that he's probably the best player in their entire team.
2: Right? No, you, I
1: mean, I mean like with you. McCaffrey injured, I don't think it's necessarily a hot take that either him or Moton right now are the hot, best players in the team. Obviously, T.J. Moore is probably like the most talented, but we're not seeing his uh, level be right. You know, exacerbated because of right. the limitations on Bridgewater. But as far as Burns. I just think like he's becoming a really impactful player.
2: Well, he played more snaps too. him. Mean, he was up to 61 snaps, which they got him in there more often. Again, the situation of the game dictated that in a lot of ways, but they were able to utilize him more. And, and when you utilize him more, you're going to be a little creative at times. And they, they have been that, you know, that three safety alignment where he's playing in the middle of the field. He's he's in coverage as a linebacker. Uh, he's got good ability there. I mean, you've, you've seen some of the workout vids, some of his stuff. From he could cover, but you would much prefer him to have his hand in the dirt and just putting that spin move on and impacting the quarterback's comfort. I came into this game thinking, you know, Herbert on tape against uh, Kansas City did some great things, but obviously he threw one across his body when he felt pressure. That's what rookies do. So it was just critical that they were able to early on get him rattled a little bit. And I came back very nicely, he made some great throws and played a good game, but a lot of his stuff was, was pretty underneath too at, at a juncture in the game. So again, it was all about from what I, I predicted early on, it didn't go exactly as I thought, but I, I said, if you can just get the quarterback under duress a little bit, and they had not done that all year, they were close against Tampa. They were getting there. And I just thought this was the week that they'd, they'd get better. Now two sacks is not exactly exploding but it's more than that. It's about the pressures. It's about impacting uh, the routes and then, you know, the timing of the routes. And I think they did a good job in the secondary. Um, I mean, if you want to climb back and look at what we've got the secondary here, you know, Dante Jackson with, you know, a a nice pick and a hell of a return. And to your point in the preseason, we had to talk about Dante, you know, I had my doubts about his ability in this, uh, defense that was very young and he's out there sort of isolated. Uh, Putting Rasul Douglas opposite him, I think, has done some good things. And Mike Williams getting hurt didn't, you know, hurt their chances. But I thought overall, you know, the the corners played pretty well.
1: Yeah, they were okay. Um, I mean, certainly didn't make a huge mess out of anything. I think Troy Pride, he straight up just like oh, fell down. Yeah, that was not good on that play, <laughs> and he got saved by Trey Boston.
2: Trey with a great play, yeah. Uh, But
1: I've actually been impressed with corn elder. I think he's probably been one of their better coverage uh, corners so far this year. Um, And he's been pretty well playing pretty well in the slot. You didn't really see the chargers attack the slot too much. I mean, they did throw some things in the middle of the field, but it was mainly off throws to Allen, which he ran uh, inside routes, but uh, yeah, I, I thought that, I think that Cornelder has been one of the more surprising players uh, this season. Certainly been, you know, a positive as, as a nickel corner.
2: I think so too. Yeah. You look back at the play he made last week against uh, Tampa and he had the PBU in the slot there on the uh, slant. And that was Burns got in there and got some pressure again. Um, you're seeing it come together a little bit with some of these guys. You can kind of get a sense of who this coaching staff is going to prefer the the slot corner position has been a spot of bother for you know a while here and we had a lot of questions you and I about how that would go and you made a comment that they they're filled with slot corners here we've got almost too many of them um but to your point it's good to see you know Cornell are getting good reps and and taking advantage again you know it's it's a it's a different challenge every week of course it's a bigger challenge with with the Kingsbury offense and Kyler Murray and, and Hopkins, and there's a lot to talk about there coming up in our preview. But uh I thought they did, you know, adequately well. I uh, the the turnovers nice getting to the pick six or almost pick six. He ran it back, man, almost the length of the field, which I think he, he might have seen the tape from last week and already running out of bounds and said, you know, I'm gonna truck this one as far as I can go. That was really positive. And uh I think uh Justin Burris, I, I don't know so much on tape. He was active in terms of tackles, but um, I don't think they're, they're getting too bad of a job from him at this point. And Trey, he almost picked one off. He jumped on, he should have had a pick six late in the game with that. That would have been a really nice way to close it out. Obviously that is a little bit of an error, but, uh, I, again, he made a nice play at the end to, to help save the game, which, right. which is good. Um, so defensively from, from that perspective, you know, it's, it, we keep saying it's a young unit they're, they're building, but they're, they're playing a lot of these kind of patchwork veterans that. Or, uh, or they're doing some decent things. But again, you know, like to hear Whitehead, just you're not much there. I mean, <laughs> he, again, I didn't see him in coverage on Eckler a lot. Uh, they did have Burns in coverage on him once or twice, and I don't think Burns did terrible. I mean, PFF, again, we're talking about how they grade these guys out. Well, you know, he technically is in man on an angle route, but he's got two defenders inside helping, and I'm sure they dinged him on that play because his coverage was a little bit off. But um, he had a little stick route, eight yards, I think, to... Keenan Allen. He's out in coverage on Keenan Allen. And he he pretty effective. It wasn't terrible. So I mean, I don't know if it's again how you utilize Burns. I don't think that's the best way to, to go about doing it, but they have a idea in mind as to what they want to do. Um, and that's how they're going to to approach that. Um what were your impressions of Justin Herbert? I mean, I we're kind of wrapping up here and moving on. Yeah, you know, I was a quarterback that Carolina had some interest in. Uh, and I don't know too much about your thoughts on on Herbert. I I personally think he's Got a lot of decent upside, like many people do, and his arm is impressive. But what did you think he looked like in this game?
1: Sure. So I wasn't too high on him coming out of Oregon. I thought he was uh, like an okay prospect, maybe second, third round, and where the Chargers took him, I felt was a reach but I mean, I thought he played really well. I think that he moved in the pocket extremely well, which I never really saw coming, um, you know, at Oregon. And that right. type of improvement is hard to project. In addition to that, I thought he threw with good timing. He really understands how to throw in the tight windows, which, you know, is an area that the parent theories quarterback is currently uh, facing. <laughs> it's so night
2: and day Billy, man, I'm yeah. you, I I'm glad you brought that up because I'm watching that in versus what, Carolina is. I I I, I got to go way back to think of a time where Carolina. Do you remember the game where they ran the Wildcat against Atlanta? They passed it like five times with Chris Winkie. It felt like that. He felt it felt so freaking handcuffed. But uh, you're right about the the what you saw from LA side. It was a, a total contrast.
1: Yeah. So obviously the the interception was not a great throw. He had a couple other moments that I'm sure he would like to have back. But I mean, overall, he played pretty well in – there were some inopportune moments for the Chargers, especially like when they were down 18 to, uh, I believe they were down 18 to seven, you know, they were first and goal and then they had the penalty to drop him back. And then unfortunately Mm -hmm. they had to kick a field goal. So overall there, it just, it felt like the Chargers kicked themselves in the foot more than the Panthers kind of
2: really penetrated the issue. Quite literally, the, the fumble that Jack Thompson forced was it was a knee to the – I don't think he tried to do that. It was like the peanut punch, but with his knee. It was basically – if you go look at the replay, he's running downfield and his his leg catches the ball and it pops out. Maybe he's doing a karate kick. I don't know, but that, that was a good break, I thought. I don't think right. that was something that uh, they were strategically aiming for. And it was a run gash, so, I mean, that's again, – got to look back at – The negatives, too. So 21-16 was the final. Carolina gets their first win under uh, Matt Rule, Joe Brady, Phil Snow, and the whole crew there. And I know you guys are excited about winning out there. And we had a little talk about fans here during our our podcast. And and certainly, just in general, I, I echo Billy's sentiments. Just try to enjoy the fact that we've got football and we can actually talk about this stuff. And whether you believe they should just suck on purpose or whether you believe they should try to fight the seven wins. Oh, let's go get them. Either way, you know, there's flaws in both perspectives and just be, I guess, prudent enough to understand that you don't have all the answers. Nobody does. Um, We'll preview the big game coming up this weekend against the uh, Cardinals. It's really hard to believe that uh, this time last year, they were in Arizona and Kyle Allen was starting and uh, it's a, different makeup of the team this year, but just your quick thoughts, I guess, as we jump forward, where Arizona has improved versus where we saw them last.
1: I mean, they may certainly have one of the best wide receivers in the NFL now, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Kyler did not play. <laughs> Yeah. Murray didn't play well last, uh, yesterday, he had three interceptions, yeah. uh, as a passer, he hasn't really played that well. I think as a runner, he's really improved and he's been able to kind of manipulate, uh, defenders with his feet a lot more as far as changing speeds and direction. Uh, so it's, it's going to be a pretty interesting matchup. Uh, I mean, Carolina right now is not favored. Um, yeah. so we'll see how it goes and we'll, I'm sure we'll have a really good preview of it on Thursday.
2: Yes, sir. As always, we're going to dive into it and, uh, Check us out on Twitter all week. I'm sure we'll have plenty of thoughts on – not tanking. We're not going to talk about that anymore. But we're going to have plenty of thoughts on what happened this past weekend. And, uh, again, rejoice. Celebrate. You won a game. It's been a whole damn year. Take pride in the fact your team's got one in the win column and you're one game back in the division. And even though it's not going to happen, folks, you never know. So just embrace the fact your team made you proud yesterday in some way or shape or form. We're going to check you out here coming up on Friday again with a special guest talking Arizona Cardinals versus Carolina Panthers. For Billy Marshall, John Ellis, thanks again for joining us on Blue Wire. Have a safe night. Talk to you soon.